toddlers. Uh, so if we have any children here still that are ages two and three, they can be taken downstairs. Uh, or if maybe you slipped in and you're between the ages of four and 12 and you didn't go straight downstairs to class, you can go down now. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Why don't you grab your Bible with me this morning? I believe the Lord would talk to us today. It's so good to see all of you on this. starting to feel like winter. We're starting to look like it too. Amen. Amen. Let me say just before I forget, thank you, thank you, thank you to so many. Um, and I, I don't have any tabs. I don't, I don't know who or what. Thank the Lord I don't keep track of all that. Um, but thank you to so many. You have, you have given and given and given um, in support of the work in Mattawa. Um, we took these envelopes that we've had up here. We've had this gift box up here for the last 45 days almost. And you've taken envelopes and returned and just continued to give to bless the work in Mattawa. Uh, we have another service there tomorrow night. And we're excited about that and one more after that in December. And so thank you for willingly investing in the kingdom. If you've taken an envelope and you're like, hey, I still plan to bring it back, but I haven't yet. Next Sunday is the sort of the deadline, if you will. So if you're holding on to one of those, uh, please, by next Sunday, return that. Again, thank you for your giving to that. We can't outgive the Lord, can we? And I'm excited to see what he's doing in Mattawa and beyond. God's at work. We got a, um, I was, Bishop reached out to me last night. Some of you are aware, a few years ago, about a little over eight years ago, um, some of us went back and forth almost every week for close to a year from here to Bellingham. It's a little bit further than Mattawa. I think Mattawa is really nice. <laughs> um, but uh, we went back and forth at, for almost a year to Bellingham every week. Different ones would make the trip with us periodically. And... Uh, the Lord established a church there that's still there. We thank God for that. And we just did an anniversary service this past summer or last summer. And uh, what's interesting how the Lord works is when we did that, we went on Google Maps and tagged the location where we were meeting, which is where the church is still meeting today. To this day, eight years later, they're still meeting in that building that we found and started renting there at the time. And to this day, we still get calls from different people. And it's outside of town. There's churches all over the Bellingham area. But to this day, we still get calls and people reaching out. Because in their search, literally, yes, we have the church website on there. Yesterday, somebody through the church website submitted a request. They said, we feel like God is drawing us back to him and we found your website, and we live in Bellingham. And so Bishop was connecting them. Um, the Lord is drawing people. I shared all that to tell you God is drawing people, and he's reaching in different areas, and we just want to be about his business. Amen? 
First Peter. Go there with me today. First Peter chapter number three. Aren't you thankful for the word of the Lord? I believe I've been saying this and I'll probably keep saying it. I'm not one for slogans or taglines or, you know, I guess because I don't want to feel like a marketing campaign. Uh, but the thing that is stirring in my heart, I feel like 2024 is the year of the word, like a return. Every year should be a year of the word, but I feel the beckoning of the spirit of God upon the church to get back into the word like never before. Fall in love with the word afresh and anew. Rededicate to time, not just reading, but studying and digging in the word, letting the word talk to us. And so I encourage you, let's make that journey together. First Peter chapter 3, starting with verse number 10. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, you can see it on the screen. Yeah, First Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Isn't that a great? Anybody interested in loving life? And seeing good days. Well, there you go. This is in the word. See, we look so many places. It's in the word. He that will love life and see good days. Let him get his bank account full. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Let him have a really nice home and fancy. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Him that will love life. And see good days. Let him keep or refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips that they speak no guile. Did you know that loving life and having good days is tied to how you talk? That'll make you think, won't it? It's the word of the Lord. Let's keep going. That's just bonus right there. There's more. Let him eschew evil or turn away from evil. Don't, don't go after evil. Don't entertain evil. And let him do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it or pursue it. Don't seek for strife and contention. Seek for peace. Pursue it. Next verse. Why? Why are we going to do this? Because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. And I'm so thankful for that. His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Next verse. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if... You suffer for righteousness' sake. Watch. I want you to hear the word. Don't worry. We're not going to read the whole book. But and if you suffer. Anybody love suffering? Okay. If you suffer for righteousness' sake, what are you? Ha. If you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. 
And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, sorry, I don't have a fancy title for you. Isn't this an interesting passage of Scripture, these six verses here from 10 through 15? He that will love life and see good days, it's all tied together. He talks about the the patterns of life that bring these things. But a child of God that is filled with the Spirit of God has something going on within them that causes them to love life and see good days. One of the primary things is how we talk. Amen? It's not my, it's the Word. How I speak and how you, and I'm not talking about the power of positive speaking and all that. I'm, not, I'm, talking about, because I'm talking about the part that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what happens if I'm not loving life and seeing good days, it probably tied to how I'm speaking, but more deeply, it's probably tied to a matter of my heart. Because what's in my heart comes out of my mouth. And so, so we see this, but don't get nervous. We're not focusing on that. I just want you to see that as we move really quickly here. So we love life. We see good days. This is a child of God. That which is in our heart comes out of our mouth. It affects how we love life and the seeing of good days. But we also have other things that are a part of our life. We eschew evil. We push away from. We turn away from. We don't entertain or give room to things that are evil. Evil is that which is not of God, that which opposes a God, that which is anti-God. We eschew evil, all right? We fear the Lord. We do these things. So these are, these are attributes of a child of God's lifestyle. This isn't rocket science, is it? Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? And so these are attributes. But he goes on a little further as we read there, the, Peter, and he talks about the Lord's watching us. I'm so thankful for that. That doesn't mean like he's staring down at you. Wait, I'm watching. My eyes are on you. The second you mess up, I'm going to smack you upside the head. Sometimes that's how we think about God. That's not what that scripture means. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. What it means is God's watching out for me. Like a, like a, a father watches over their child. Maybe, maybe they let them go, run across the road, go on, go, go play. But be careful. Be, and they're watching until they see them arrive. They're keeping their eye on them, not to get them in trouble, but watching out for their good. That's what the writer Peter is saying here about the eyes of the Lord being upon the righteous. That's a good thing. I want the Lord always watching me. When I was a kid, I was scared of that. Maybe because of the way my parents were, right? Jesus is watching you. And so that made it sort of a fearful thing, right? Like, oh, no, God's always watching. Well, he's good. We should live in the fear of the Lord and reverence and godly fear. But it's a beautiful thing that God is always watching us. It's a beautiful thing that the eyes, the only time it's not a beautiful thing is if I'm not walking in his righteousness. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. It's a beautiful thing. And so his eyes are upon us. And he hears our prayers. Aren't you thankful for that? And 
But then, then the scripture turns as Peter's right. We're thinking, so far, so good. Peter, I'm, I'm loving being a child of God. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. I've got good life. I've got good days. I love life. The eyes of the Lord are upon me. He hears my prayers. But. But. And if you suffer. Hold on a minute. I, I, I liked everything until that point. But notice Peter did not change direction. Because he said, you love life. You got good days. His eyes are on you. He hears your prayers. Oh, and by the way, if you suffer, you're happy. What? That's what it says, isn't it? See, he didn't change direction. We hear suffer and our mind and our attitude changes direction. But Peter made it clear. If you suffer for righteousness sake, you're living right. You're walking in the righteousness of God. You're walking in right relationship with God. There's going to be suffering sometimes. But when you're suffering for right relationship, you're happy. This is what Peter is declaring. He said, don't be afraid of all the other stuff. Now, I I went back through all that to get to this. Because I want us to notice verse 15. This is where I want our focus. But we needed to see context. So that verse 15, we get a better understanding of what's being declared to us. Because he talks about all these benefits and these things of being a child of God. And our lifestyle, our conversation, and what it should produce and how we should walk and what our emotional state will be. Our mental state will be. And above all, our spiritual state, what it will be. And he says, now you got to sanctify the Lord in your hearts. This is a hard issue. It's not mental assent. It's a heart issue. And so sanctify the Lord in your heart. And then now watch. Because here he does turn. He's talking about us and how we live. And the benefits and the blessing of God. And these things in our life. And what we go through. But yet our state going through all of it. And then after he says all that. He makes this statement. Be ready always. To do what? To give an answer. What are you giving an answer for? You're giving an answer to every man of a hope. A reason of the hope that is in you. Ah, now it makes more sense. Watch. You ever met somebody that never had a bad day? Come on, you know what I mean. I mean, we know everybody has bad days, but you meet them and you're like, come on, don't you ever have a bad day? Ever met somebody like that? They're like always bubbly, always sunshine. You're like, I can't handle no more. You get away from me. I'm not saying that, but, but you know you know what I'm talking about? You ever met somebody like, life is always good. And you're thinking, life is not always good. What's going on here? This is kind of. But more importantly, in our spiritual walk with God, this is what Peter's talking about. Children of God. See, the world goes through things. The world goes through things. Yes? We face things. We fight things. We battle through things. Here, come here, brother. Let's stand right over here, please. You stand right over there and face that way with me. So you got two people. Yes? And we're going through something. All right? Maybe we're facing, maybe something happened to our car, to 
our furnace to, we got some financial thing that smacked us upside the head. Step forward. And I'm thinking, blessed be the name of the Lord. And he's thinking, oh, me. Oh, me, it's terrible. What am I going to do? Right? And then our wives get sick. Some medical thing happens. Something unplanned for. And he's thinking, oh, man, it's getting worse and worse in my life. And I'm thinking, God is faithful. He's my healer. Come what may, God's in control. And then we go a little further, and something else happens. Something trips up. Something happens to one of our kids. He's thinking, oh, my goodness, I just can't get ahead. Nothing goes well. And I'm thinking, God's got his hand on him. He's covering him. He's going to bring him. Now, what, what? we're walking this journey called life. Yes? We're living our life day by day. And the world is watching. They're watching in the workplace. They're watching in the marketplace. They're watching. Your family that doesn't have a relationship with God is watching. And sometimes the question goes, I don't understand. I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know some of the circumstances. How is it that you still seem to be happy? How is it you still seem to have hope? This is what Peter is talking about. The world. Now, I'm not talking about manufacturing something. I'm not talking about trying to be fake or hypocritical. God forbid. That's the last thing we need in this hour. The world needs real people declaring a real hope. But this is what Peter is describing and talking about. He's saying, hey, here's some things. You love life. You got good days. And you know why? Righteousness. You're walking in it. The eyes of God are on you. He hears your prayers. All these things that are blessings and benefits in your life. You're going to suffer some stuff. But you're going to be happy because your confidence is not in what you're going through. Your confidence is in Him. That's the hope that's in you. And so he's admonishing. He's writing to the church. He's admonishing the church, you need to always be ready to give an answer of that hope that's in you. How is it you just never seem to give up? Colossians 1 and 27. Many of you could quote it. Well, maybe. It's a good one to memorize. I'll let you see it up there so you know I'm not making it up. Look what the scripture says. What is that hope? Colossians 1.27 tells us God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? See, to the world, it's a mystery. To the world, it's a mystery. I just don't understand how you can go through stuff, but every seems you just seem to think it's going to be okay. How is it you walk through the trials of life? And I've walked through the trials of life. And I just can't seem nothing. But you just seem to just go forward and come what may. You seem steady. It seems, what's going on? Oh, it's not some secret thing I'm doing. This mystery to the world. It's Christ in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. I was... My family and I were able to head out of town Friday night, spend an evening away, had dinner, just had a good evening together, spent some time yesterday and uh, made our way back last night. And we were, we were sitting in a coffee shop and talking, having coffee and breakfast, and there were a lot of plants around. All you ladies that love plants with my wife, the Lord bless you. And um, 
So there were plants around, and my wife pointing out one she wants. I'm thinking, I think you have every plant already. But there's this plant, and so we, we get, they get to talking about plants, and before long, people are, people are talking about, the among my family, they're talking about plants that live, and which ones are, and my kids got some plants that my wife had a little struggle with. Hers is recuperated now and going strong, but, but the kids are sure to let them know they made their, hers, theirs live, and theirs, you know, it's just, you know, no competing in the family or anything like that, but you know, and, uh. And so they're talking about these plants, and they're, some of them they're talking about, you know, you don't want to move them. They sort of, I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff, and I'm thinking, okay. They're talking about how they talk to their plants. They're talking, about, oh, no, that, those plants don't like to be moved. You sort of need to find them a spot and leave them there. And I'm thinking, I know people like that. And, and uh, so, come on, don't laugh at me. Laugh with me. And so I'm... They're, they're having these conversations, and they're talking about light and filtered light, and it needs this, and, and they're talking about the environment and all this stuff. And the more they're talking about these plants, I'm not saying much. I don't know much. I'm, I'm just sort of listening. But the more they're talking about it, I find myself thinking, and I'm, I'm listening. I'm thinking, maybe the Lord's talking to me a little bit here. And so I start thinking about environment. I find myself beginning to think about environment. Have you ever made this statement? You don't have to raise your hand. I know the answer. But have you ever made this statement? You know, life would be so much better if I could just get a change of environment. Maybe if I could just move to a different city. Or maybe it's not even a different city. Maybe if I could just move to a different place. You know, my job. Maybe if I could just get a different job. Maybe if I could just right, change my environment. Now, I, I think we need to be, just stay with me. I would grow if my environment was different. This is what I started thinking about these plants, right? Oh, okay, so the environment matters for growth. You believe that? Environment matters for growth. Some, you know, we got all these plants at my house. If I take them and I sit them outside right now, they have no chance of growth. They have one thing certain, death. Right? Okay. Environment matters. Environment matters. We believe that? Okay. So environment matters. And so, but watch. So we know environment matters. And so our human nature says, if I could just change my environment, I could fix, it would fix stuff. You ever thought that? I have, and you have too. But the more I begin to ponder that, you know, I had time dry. The more I began thinking about that, I'm like, hold on a minute. I grew up, I won't go through the story this morning. Many of you have heard it. I grew up, I didn't necessarily have the most conducive environment to spiritual growth. If I could change my life growing up as a child and as a teen, I'd have changed a lot of things. Matter of fact, one time we tried to change our environment. My mom sent us as kids to a different state from Alaska all the way to North Carolina to live with family. And the family there looked at trying to keep us there because we needed that environment. And the one we weren't in was the one that we had left was not good. But after a few months, we couldn't stay. and We had to return to that what we might call negative environment. And, you would, and so I'm thinking about that. I'm like, well, hold on. God, why didn't you change my environment? 
You ever get upset with God for not changing your circumstances? Oh, works a little better if we call it environment. You call it circumstances. That's different, though. Why did I have to grow up in this home? Why did I have to grow up this way? Why did I have to deal with this in my life? Why was I subjected to this along the way? Why did this happen? How come this took place? If my environment just would have been different. I'm not denying that a different environment may have had a different outcome. But watch. Christ in you is the hope of glory. If any man be, where? Where? If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature, a new creation. If any man be in a fancy house, he is a new creation. Oh, so apparently, no matter circumstances, we do have the ability to change our environment. See, we focus on the natural. We focus on the natural environment. What kept me through the years that I described briefly, it wasn't the natural environment. What it did is it caused me, because of what I went through, what I was, there I use the word suffering, it caused me to cry out to the Lord in a way I would have never cried out to the Lord. It caused me to come to know Him in a way I would not have otherwise known Him. And I had one of two choices. I can run from God and say, I don't understand why you're letting me go through this. This isn't fair. You must not really be God. You must not even care. Or I could recognize He's with me no matter what I go through. He's there no matter what I face. He's faithful even when men and women do things that are not right. Even when sin comes and attacks my life. Because God gives everybody free will. But I can abide in Him. He is a strong tower that I can run into and be safe. He can be the place where I abide and where you abide. He can be the environment in which you live. We put so much focus on changing the natural when we don't realize we have been given a gift whereby God says, if you will abide in me and my word will abide in you, then you'll ask what you will and it can be done. You can change the environment by choosing to abide in me. Now, I didn't forget about the hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. How is it that living for the Lord, at times, we lose hope? I'll tell you how. We stop looking to Him, and we start looking to this life. Now, I, I understand what it is to be in a situation that feels like a hopeless situation. 
You ever been in a what we'll call hopeless situation? If you've lived probably any length of time, you've been in what seemed like a hopeless situation. Not making light of that today, you understand? But our environment is where we live. And more than the physical place we live, it is actually what we see, what we hear, and what we think. That's really what shapes our environment. What I see and what I hear and what I think. It was interesting when we were out of town this weekend. My, my boys and I were walking early in the morning yesterday. And we, we were staying in a hotel that had a higher floor. And we were talking about the view from up there. And you could see things. You could pick stuff out. You could, you know, do these different deals. And, but then we got down on the street level. And everything looks different. It was easy to get disoriented. Which way? You tried to move down a street and get to where you had a clear line of sight. If I can see up the buildings a little better, I can sort of get bearings on where. And so this is what happens in our life sometimes. And we're shaped by... How we see, how we think, and how we hear. And so we need the mind of Christ operating in us. It affects our environment. Now watch. You don't have to turn there. You can go read it later. In Ezekiel 37, we find a passage of Scripture. It's often referenced, often quoted. Uh, Ezekiel 37 is the valley of dry bones. It's where the prophet, right, was the Lord told him, you go out to play, you showed him this place, a valley full of dry bones. And he asked him, can these bones live? Most of you know that story. And, right? And he says, you know, Lord. And the Lord said, you know, speak to the bones. And the bones came together, right, and send you and speak. Then he said, speak to the wind, prophesy to the wind. You know that story? Yeah, we, we know all that, but we miss a verse that's in there sometimes. Verse 11 and 37, it says, our bones are dried, this is how they viewed it, and our hope is lost. Our bones are dried. Now, he wasn't talking, what is it? It tells us there, it's the whole house of Israel. Not one or two. This is the whole house of Israel. And they say, the Lord didn't say, the whole house of Israel said, our bones are dried. Our hope is lost, and we are cut off for our parts. We no longer have any value as a people or as a nation. We no longer have any life, skin, sinew, purpose, reason has all been stripped from us. We are now nothing but dry bones. This is how they saw themselves. And they said, all hope is lost. But I have a question. Was all hope lost? How do you know it wasn't lost? <laughs> because you know the rest of the story, right? And so I have a question for you. What made the difference? What brought hope back into their hopeless situation? What brought hope? Two things. The Word, the Word of God spoke into their situation. And the Spirit of God moved in their situation. Prophesy to the wind, wind from the four corners come. 
the Word of God and the Spirit of God spoke into their hopeless situation. And that which seemed so desperately lost, that which seemed beyond repair and restoration, that which seemed to never have any value or purpose or function again, the Word of God and the Spirit of God came into it. And the bones resurrected and sinew came on them and skin came on them and breath came into them and they became an exceeding great army in the hand of the Lord. Read it, it's there. I submit to you today that if you, if God can do this with the house of Israel, God can do this with every individual in this room and outside of this room that would allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to reach into their lives. There is no circumstance in this room or outside this room that is beyond hope. I'm going to say that again. There is no circumstance in this room or outside of this room that is beyond hope. Somebody might say, well, but have you been down the streets of Yakima lately? Yes, every day. Well, yeah, but do you know? Yes, I see some things. I've walked with some I've talked with some people. You say, oh, but you haven't experienced. Maybe not, but this I know. As long as the Spirit of God and the Word of God is at work in the earth, there is no situation without hope. As long as His Spirit and His Word is at work in the earth, there is no circumstance without hope. He took this example from Ezekiel. I know it was about the house of Israel, but he's no respecter of persons. He took something that looked like it was all the way to the end and could never be brought back. These are bones that this had died. The animals had come and picked off the flesh. I'm not trying to be gross or graphic. But then they had just laid and baked in the sun. This wasn't just something that had happened in a day or a week. This was something that had been years. And over years, not only had all the skin been taken and all the flesh been taken, and then the small little critters came and crawled in between all the crevices and the cracks of the bones, and then they broke up and there was nothing. And then they laid and baked in the sun and the weather and the sun and the weather and season after season and drier and drier and drier and no morrow any longer and drier and drier and no life any longer and drier and drier. And now, Ezekiel, I want you to look, and there's no hope. All hope is lost to the human mind. All hope is lost to man's ideas and man's ways. But God spoke to the prophet and he said, I want you to speak. I want you to open your mouth and declare the word that I've put in it. I want you to open your mouth and declare the things I've told you to say. I want you to allow the Spirit of God to move through you. And I would in this hour there would be something arise in the church of the living God that says I do not look at my world without hope. I do not look at my coworker without hope. I do not look at my family that's lost without hope. I don't care if it's been a day or years. I understand by the word of the Lord His Spirit and His word working through through us, there is no situation where hope is lost. Always be ready to give an answer of the hope 
that lies within you? How is it you can smile in the face of adversity? How is it you can stand when everybody else is falling? Understand, it's not my own ability. It's not my own strength. It's not something I've learned to do by my human ingenuity. It is nothing less than the great power of the Spirit of God that lives within me. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. I will therefore, by His grace, glorify Him through my body and spirit, which are His. Take heart. hope. Hurry with me to the book of Acts chapter 27. Watch this. Familiar to some of you this passage of scripture. I'm going to read quickly. We'll start there in Acts 27 verse number 13. So we get a picture of the story. A bunch of guys on a boat. 175 or so. So it wasn't a little bitty boat. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they, they are the captains and the ones running the ship, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they loosed thence, they picked up their anchor, untied the ropes, and they sailed close by Crete. Verse 14. But not long after, not long after, isn't it something how you think like, man, this is going to be so great, and then you start a direction, and oh no. Anybody ever had that happen? You're like, oh no, this is good, this is good. And then you go and you're like, Oh no, this is what's happening right now. But not long after, everything looked good at first, but then not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind. By the way, this is what happens when you ignore the voice of God. Because that's what happened. You'll see in a minute. There arose a tempestuous wind. It was so tempestuous it had a name. It was called Eurachlodon. Verse number 15. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we just let her drive. In other words, we couldn't control it. We had no control over it. We just let the wind drive it. And running under a certain island, which is called Clotta, we had much work to come by the boat in order to keep the boat from getting lost. Verse 17, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. Just so you get an idea of how bad this was, that word where it says they used helps. Helps is a thing that they would use if you studied out. It would be something that would go around underneath the ship that they would then secure, like strapping the ship together to keep it from being ripped apart. That's what that word helps right there means. That's why it says undergirding the ship. They used helps undergirding the ship. It was such a storm that it felt like their ship was going to come apart. You ever been in a storm where it felt like everything was just going to come apart? Come on, are we being honest today? You ever felt like you were going through a situation in life that it's like, man, the storm's greater than I can handle, Brother Joel. I'm getting battered on the left. I'm getting battered on the right. I'm getting battered on the front. I'm getting battered from the back. I thought I had, I can't even control this thing anymore. It seems like now the storm is just telling me where to go. I'm, I, I'm trying to rein it in, but I can't. I'm trying to pull it in, but I can't. It seems like the storm is driving me. That's where they're at. Talking about circumstances of life. The storm is now driving. I don't even have any control anymore. Every time I try to get control, it's like I grab one rope to hold on and I have to let go of the other one so it gets lost over there. And You ever felt like that in life? 
storms and it's blowing and I no longer, I'm just, the storm is just driving my life. I'm just, I'm just getting tossed and blown. This is what's happening. They're in that ship. And so when they had taken up, they used help. They undergird the ship. They fear lest they should fall into the quicksand. So they, they thought, oh no, if we just let it go this way, we're going to end up over here in the quicksand. So what do we do? Let's, let's get the sail up. It doesn't seem like the right thing to do in the midst of the storm, but it'll take us a different direction. And you got a picture? This is what's happening. I know we read over this, but we miss the story. They're in the middle of a storm. And so they were afraid that they were going to end up in the quicksand. So as a result, they let the sail go and let it drive us. Quicksand on the left, no control on the right. Next verse. And we were exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day, they lightened the ship where they start just getting rid of stuff. I'm just trying to survive. Stuff that used to be important to me isn't important anymore. I'm just getting rid of stuff, just trying to survive. That's where they are. The third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Now, have we not just gotten rid of the unnecessary things? Now, the things that we thought were really necessary, we've let those go too. We're just trying to save our own life at this point. I know some of you can relate to this more than others. But watch. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. What's the longest you've gone without seeing the sun or the stars? In other words, we've been in a storm a long time. And this storm is so dark that we haven't even seen light for many days. We know because we understand the cycle that there's day and night. But the storm is so bad that we haven't seen light for many days. We didn't see the sky during the day. We didn't see the sky at night. You understand being on a ship, you need to be able to see the horizon to have any idea where you're going. So what they're saying is, we don't even know where we're going anymore. We don't even know where we are anymore. This is a storm. Yes? Does it sound like a pretty bad situation to you? I'm not trying to... I, I want to make sure we don't... We could read those three or four verses and be like, oh, wow, okay. This was a bad deal. And no small tempest... By the way, the storm still hasn't stopped. That word's no small tempest means it's a large tempest that is on us. And watch that last line there. All hope. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. I would for a minute if maybe you would just consider your own situation or a circumstance or situation to which you're connected that maybe it feels like that right there. All hope has been taken. Now, if the story ended right there, what a bleak story. But the next verse says, 
verse 21. After long abstinence, Paul stood in the middle of them. And he said, sirs, see, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. He wasn't married. He could get away with saying that. He said, you should have listened to me. Remember, they ended up in this because they didn't listen to the word of God. Remember I told you that? But somebody hear me right now. Just because you didn't obey the voice of God somewhere along the journey doesn't mean God's going to destroy your life. If you'll allow him to, he'll bring you back into alignment with his will and continue working in your life. They didn't listen to the word of God, but Paul said after he stood away, here's what Paul did, a long abstinence. What, what's this long abstinence that Paul, I mean, did he leave the boat and go swimming out by himself or what? What happened? No, I'll tell you what Paul did. Paul probably heard all of their fear and their complaining and their, their carrying on and their anxiety. And Paul's like, I ain't got no room for that. I'm going down here in the ship by myself and I'm going to go talk to God. I can't, I can't relate to all that. You with me? A long abstinence. A long abstinence from what? From all the people that were in fear. A long abstinence from all those that were complaining about what was about to happen. A long abstinence from those that were speaking vile things about the destruction. We're not going to make it. There's no hope. There's nothing changing. It's getting worse. Paul got away from all that. That's what that means. Are you listening with your spirit right now? Sometimes you wonder why. You just, remember what Peter said? They that will love life and have good days, let his lips refrain from what you speak. Paul's like, I got to get away from all that speaking that's contrary to what I know of my God. I got to get along with God. I got to hear from God about the matter. I can listen to all the noise. I can see the storm. I can see that there's no sunshine or light. I can see all that. I'm not going to focus on what I see with my natural eye. I'm not going to listen to all the other voices around me. i got to get alone by myself with God. I need to hear from God about where I am. I know He put me on this ship. I know my life is in His hands. So I can't worry about what everybody else says. I need to hear from God. And so Paul got away by himself. And after that time away, he came back and he stood in the middle of all those guys and he said, sir, you should have listened to me. I don't think he was being arrogant. He was reminding them that he had given them direction before that if they would have listened, they wouldn't be in the situation they're in right now. So that maybe now they'll listen to what he's getting ready to say. You should have listened to me and not lose from Crete and gained all this harm and this loss. But he didn't stop there, verse 22. Now, I exhort you. What? Do what? Is he on the same boat as all those other 174 people? Be of good cheer. Sir, are you crazy? We haven't seen sun for days. We've thrown everything out. All the food's out. All the stuff that got the ship going's out. It's just us. We're going to die. What do you mean be of good cheer? My hope is not in the boat. My hope is not in the circumstances. 
There shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Next verse. How does he know this? For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Keep going. Saying, Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with you. One more verse there. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It shall be even as it was told me. How could Paul tell people to be of good cheer? He had heard from God. The same way that hope came into those bones in the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. Paul got a word from the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord was working in Paul's life. And he said, I don't care if the storm's destroying everything around us. I don't care if we haven't seen any light. I got alone with God. And God spoke to me. I've got hope. All their hope was lost. But Paul's hope was in a different place. Feel the Holy Ghost trying to help somebody today. There is no hopeless situation when you give God permission and you submit to His will. If you'll bring, there's no marriage that's lost if it submits itself to God's will. There's no physical ailment in your body that can destroy you without God watching if you submit it to His will. You submit your thoughts to his will. He will have the final say. 1 Corinthians 15. Now we're going to shift here as we wrap up today. First Corinthians 15, verse 19. It's an interesting scripture. We quote it oftentimes. I want you to see this because it, it's a powerful scripture. Not just for what it says, but for what we understand because of what it doesn't say. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said to them, If in this life only... We have hope in Christ. Those two words get left out a lot when this verse is quoted. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. Well, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? If I have hope in Christ. Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now you're saying... Hold on a minute, Elder. You've been telling us all along that our hope should be in Christ and everything will be good. Yes. But Paul took it a little further. He said, if you really want to know the joy of the Lord. If your hope in Christ is only for this life. You're going to be miserable. Because you're always going to be hoping, God, fix this for me. God, do that for me. God, if you'll take care of this, it'll be better. God, if you'll change this, it'll be better. God, if you'll rearrange this, it'll be better. And all of a sudden, I don't even realize it. I'm trusting in Him, but I'm trusting Him only for this life. 
I'm short-sighted in my thinking. If I could get a promotion on the job, Lord, I trust you. It'll all be better. No, no. Lord, if you don't give me a promotion on the job, my hope is still in you. I've got hope beyond this life. My hope is not in this world. I can make it through this world because of him, but I'm not planning on staying in this world. I'm not trying to get God to make my life heaven on earth. I'm just seeking to let my environment be him while I'm here so that one day I'm with him forever. You're saying, man, I'm living for the Lord, but I still feel miserable. It may be wrapped up in this verse right here. We've got to know. What was Paul pointing to? He was pointing to the resurrection. He was pointing to the catching away of the church. He was saying, hey, God's going to work with you. You're going to go through some stuff. God's able to deliver you. But if he doesn't, he's still God. Your hope cannot just be in him in this life. you got to have hope that's beyond this life. That's where real hope is. One more verse. Go to the book of Titus. And we find the apostle Paul writing to Titus, this young man, in chapter 2. Verse 13, and he declares this to him, wanting him to understand this. He says to Titus, looking for this blessed, what? A blessed hope. What is this blessed hope that we're looking for? It is the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What are you hoping for? Really? What are you hoping for? Is it in this life? Or is it this blessed hope? Where's your hope at? Pray with me right there where you are right now, please. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in you. See, here's the reason why the world in which we live has lost or is losing hope. Because all of their hope is wrapped up in this life. It's just wrapped up in a better life on this earth. If I can get ahead, if I can get gain, if I can... I'm not saying the Lord may or may not do those things in someone's life. You understand? But we live in a world whose whole focus is this life. And Paul was saying, hey, there is a blessed hope. And it's beyond this life. Why don't you stand with me here today? Brother Ethan. It's beyond this life.
I've been through enough to know. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I can agree with the psalmist with those words. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I'm not telling you my life is perfect and has been perfect all along the way by what men or women would call perfect. But I'm telling you, I have hope. And my hope is not in what I have or what I'll get or what my life will look like next week or next month. My hope is in Him. He's needing you. I feel so clearly for some, very specifically. The Holy Ghost is needing you to know if you'll take that situation that you just said, I don't see a way. If you'll take it and you'll put it in the hands of God and say, God, I don't know how, but I believe you're able. I can't see a way, but you're God and I'm not. I don't understand what could change that could ever fix it, but you're God and I'm not. And I'm putting my hope back in you where I've taken it on myself, where I've started to listen to voices that aren't of you. I dispel them today in the name of Jesus Christ. And I set my affections back on you, Lord. I turn my heart and attention back to your word and your spirit. I return to that which you spoke to me when I heard from you on the matter before. And maybe I started doubting. Maybe I started questioning. But God, today afresh and anew I lay hold on your word that with you all things are possible my hope is in you my hope is not in this world my hope is not in this world I have a greater hope that you one day are going to come and catch us away to be with you forever so therefore I lay hold on this hope come on talk with him today we got to be able to give an answer we got to be able to give an answer It's got to go beyond our situation and our circumstance. And yes, He will work in our lives. Yes, He will do these things. Yes, He'll order our steps. Yes, He'll give us understanding through the circumstances. But we have to move beyond to where we get to a place in Him where He is our environment. He is where we live. He is where we abide. And then in the world that we walk in, we can give an answer to a world that is without hope and say, let me tell you about the hope that's within me. Let me tell you why I can walk in faith. Let me tell you why I can go on. Let me tell you why my life has joy now. Let me tell you why my life has victory now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'm opening this altar to you today. Maybe you'd like to respond to the Lord. Maybe you'd like to talk with Him and let His Word speak into your spirit, strengthening and renewing you and your confidence in Him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. What our world needs to hear. Our world needs to hear. Our world needs to hear. There's hope in us. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you've got hope inside of you. If you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have hope living within you. In the name of Jesus.